is Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I am Coach Manaman. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. For the latest news and notes and baseball content from the tri-state area, find us on social media, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Coach Manaman on Twitter. Welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. As always, this is everybody's favorite coach, and we're doing something that I enjoy to do every single season, and that's breaking down the state brackets. And ever since this podcast has started, we have done this with all of the teams who have made that outstanding run to the state tournament. First guess is from Cascade High School, and it's the third-ranked Cascade Cougars head coach Roman Hummel. Roman, welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Hey, thanks, man. I mean, it's this is great. It means we're still playing, so you know, it's great to be able to do this at this time. I'm super excited to do this. Yesterday was a huge day for Cascade. They uh, obviously went to the state tournament in high school baseball and then knocked off the Key West Ramblers in semi-pro baseball. But we got to talk about you. We got we to gotta talk about your squad. Now, who are some of the anchors of, of this team? Who are some of the guys when they step into the batter's box or they step onto that mound? They have been lights out all season long. I mean, two, two things that really stick out to me, two guys, I guess, in a sense, because I think it's what's really carried us, our, our, our pitching staff with uh, Jack Carr and Cooper. Um, those guys, you know, Jack's 8-1 and one now, Cooper's 7-1, and one, so... You know, any, any opportunity that we get to have those guys on the mound is going to give us a chance to win. And those guys have just been phenomenal. They've been consistent. They've given us a chance to win almost every game that we've been out there. So those are two guys that, you know, really stick out from that, that perspective. And then when, when I look at the plate, you know, Tanner Simon's been really good all year long for us. He's a senior has been with us for since his freshman year. Um, he's been really consistent. And then, no, honestly, it kind of like from the hitting perspective, I've said this a few different times that like it just seems like we have guys that come through in different spots. You know, for a while it was a top of order, then the middle of order was great, or bottom of order has been really good lately. So it's just kind of a combination of of different guys throughout the year who seem to get hot at certain times. You mentioned the bottom of the order. Mason Odding from, I believe it was the eight or nine hole the other night, got the Midwest bus trips playoff dude of the night. Uh, big, big night in um, your game that advanced you guys to the state tournament. Now, Coach, you know this as a player and you know this as a coach that there's always those guys, and we talked about this earlier in the year, there are those guys where I don't want to say you don't expect much from, but you're not sure what you're going to get from them. And it always takes one or two, somebody having a career year to propel a team to the um, great lengths and the great run that's Casc- that Cascade has had this year. So who are some of those guys that have flown under the radar or maybe weren't on the media's radar or your radar at the start of the year who have just had outstanding years for the Cougars? 
Um, a few guys kind of jump to my, you know, come to the forefront of me when I think about that stuff. Um, one of them is Justin Rowling. Um, and Justin's a senior for us too. And in the last couple of years, he's been, you know, a steady performer defensively for us and just hasn't been that like, hasn't really jumped out at you offensively. And, um, probably for three quarters of the year, hitting the nine hole for us, he's been outstanding with clutch hits, just getting on base, being the, you know, like a second leadoff guy hitting in that nine hole. And then uh, two other, you know, a few other guys kind of stick out too. I was never really sure with between these three guys, Cass Huffman, Ty Frazier, and Cooper, that, you know, none of those guys have much, you know, from the varsity experience as far as hitting-wise goes. So I never knew what to expect out of any of those guys. And all three of them have been outstanding. You know, they're all, you know, Cass is just under two, under 300 as a hitter. Cooper and Ty are over 300. Um, and they've come up with a lot of big hits. Ty, Ty and Cass last night were on base. Um Gosh, trying to think of this now. Ty was on base twice, scored a big run for us. Uh, Cass put the ball in play all three times, had a big RBI single in the in the sixth inning for us in last night's game. And those guys really like surprised me. You know, I think a lot of people you think of us, you know, you knew who Tanner was, you knew who Cade Roush was, uh, Jack Menster, Will Hush, Mason Odding, you know, like you know who those guys were offensively as they all played last year. And then I look at it from the pitching perspective, you know, we needed to replace some guys and we needed a little bit of depth. And um, Jace Frankie and DJ Soper really have surprised me on the mound. Um, you know, we've been able to put them into different scenarios to come in, start some games we need them, or maybe just throw two or three innings when guys hit their pitch count limit and stuff. And those two guys have been great. And again, you know, people that uh, you don't really think of that maybe, you know, you look at the records are two and one, you're, there's nothing special there, but it's like, man, without those guys though, we don't, we don't win some of those games during the regular season. And they just really helped, a, helped a ton to eat up innings and do a great job for us. Now, here's what I love about Coach Hummel. Usually, I am very scripted and very organized coming into this. I sent him a text message a couple minutes ago. Hey, you want to jump on a Zoom and talk about this team? So he, you can tell how much he loves and he knows about his team because he's spouting off stats. He's spouting off names. He knows everything that is going on in his organization and his ball club. So, Coach, thanks for doing this at 9 o'clock. I'm a teacher. I have no idea what day of the week it is right now, but my kids are sleeping and my wife is sleeping, so I figured let's have a couple-minute conversation, get your fans prepared and excited for the state tournament run. Now let's talk about the regular season before we talk about that. We talked early, and I would say we talked uh, quite often about how special this team was. What game or what turning point was it in the season where you thought, man, this team is special. This team has a run to go to the state tournament. Um, you know, I think there's about, I mean, it's fairly early in the year. We had, I don't know what we had won, maybe five or six in a row. We're rolling pretty well. We run into Anamasa. It was a really good team. And, uh, we lose the game six to four. We kind of had a meltdown of one inning, gave up five runs and we lose that game. And we have, a, we're coming back. We have a chance to win it. We, uh, I think we get three runs in the top of the seventh. We have guys on base, you know, with a chance to tie it up or go ahead, whatever happened in that one. And we got beat. And then, so, um, Gosh, is this the next night? I think that might have been a Friday. And then Monday we roll into Jessup, who at the time Jessup's ranked in the top five, and we lose that game three to nothing. I'm like thinking in my head, like, man, this what happened here? You know, we're rolling really well, beating teams. We had beaten Comanche and Monticello and stuff, like two really good teams. We lose those two games. And that, that was kind of uncharacteristic of us. And then um, 
we had Mid Prairie then after that, who was at that time, again, about ranked. And I knew we had Regina coming up. We had Beckman coming up. We had Animosa again. I was like, oh, this is the gambit. This is the week. And we win all those games. I think we won. Uh, Will Rowling, my assistant coach, had said to me um, at, at the end of the year, you know, hey, the last time we lost two two in a row, we knocked off six straight wins. And that's what we did. We lost two games to Animosa and, Jess, and Jessup. We won six in a row. And right at the end, so that was about the moment where I thought, hey, you know, we got a chance here. We beat some really good teams. We're rolling pretty good again. And then at the very end of the year, we lose two games in our last two games against West Liberty and New London going into districts. You don't feel great when you lose your last two games like that. And Will had said to me at that, that was when he said, he goes, he said it to the team too. Hey, what happened the last time we lost two in a row? We won six straight. You know what six straight is? that's a state title. And I was like, Hey, I'll take that again. So, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, that midway point after those two losses, winning six in a row against really good teams was the the moment that I thought we had something special going. Great story and, and great insight too, from uh, coach rolling there as well. Now, when was the last time Cascade has made it to the state tournament? And if I'm if I'm not mistaken and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is your first time going as a head coach, correct? Second time. We went in 2015. Okay. That so, was the last time we went. So congratulations to you on making it there a, a second time. Let's talk about the um, the final to win to Stadium. I know that I was following one of your parents on Facebook, and they were doing a great job of posting pictures and, and giving, giving us scores. And there was a time where I, I thought it was it was all said and done. Um, Jack Carr was was losing, which doesn't happen very often. And um, usually, you see an offense tee off on a hitter the third or the second time through the lineup, and they scored off him relatively early. But he gained his composure, and you guys were able to come back and win that game. So talk about. Um, your game last night that propelled you into the state tournament? So we had played West Liberty at the end of the year and lost the game 10 to five. Um, and we, we just weren't very good defensively. We had some mental mistakes defensively and we walked some guys and just things didn't go the way that we needed to. And when you looked at, when I looked at the bracket, I knew there was a possibility that we'd be playing West Liberty and you knew like how this matchup might go. Cause you can, you can really more gauge who's going to be pitching based on the pitch count stuff. And I knew West Liberty had a big time arm um, in the Wolf Kid, and I was like, "Gosh, if if we win and they win, that's going to be a tough matchup." Because I know he's really good. I don't know he was like four and zero with a point four ERA or something like that. I was like, "Man," and I, you know, I followed stuff on Perfect Game all the time. I saw he's eighty six, eighty seven ish, and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, "Man, he's this is going to be a tough game for us." And I knew we had to keep it in that one run kind of area for in order for us to have a chance to win and so when they went up one to nothing i felt all right um i was like yeah we can scratch a run or two across against him at some point in time i think and whatever and um they got two runs in the fifth inning and went up three to nothing and at that moment in my head i'm like what are we gonna do like scoring three runs off this kid doesn't happen very often and we're not the the type of team that can get a couple guys on base and we're gonna hit some home runs and do whatever you know, we got to piece some stuff together, get some hits going on, whatever else. And uh, we were in the first inning of that game, of the game last night. Um, I had my radar gun there. We always got our pitchers and their pitchers just to kind of get a gauge. And the, the Wolves kids, 87 to 91 in the first inning. 
I was like, man, nobody told me he was up to 91 at all. That's like, that's pretty legit. He was amped up. He was. And so, you know, we, we kind of check our pitcher and their pitcher throughout the game just to see where they're at. About, it was about the fifth inning or so. He kind of, you know, fizzled off just a little bit. He's still throwing 83, 85, but we had, we had started to put some, some balls in play. Um, after the first inning, we struck out the first three guys struck out and, uh, I started to see some things just change in the approach with our players. And, you know, we got a big leadoff walk in the fifth inning from Cooper. Uh, Ty Frazier had a base hit. I'm looking at my book for this one, so I'm not replaying all this one in my head. Um, and that was when it set the stage for Mason. And, you know, I'll just talk about Mason a little bit, like another one of those things where people don't really know a lot about him. Um, he tore his ACL in football this year and had surgery, came back, tried to do some track stuff, had a little bit of a hip problem that was kind of associated with that just from trying to do too much too quick. And so throughout the year, he'd struggled mightily, honestly, you know, at the plate. Um, he had some decent moments, but overall just wasn't who he was last year. He hit over 300 last year for us, was a phenomenal player. And I think once the postseason started, he, he kind of became a different kid. He had a big uh, two-out hit um, against Comanche to help us, you know, like really get a big inning going. And, you know, he smokes a ball in the left field over the left fielder's head for the two-run double. And I was like, wow, you know, we're down by one again. And I like that. I like our chances. And, you know, Jack did what he had to do on the mound. You know, he he limited those guys to three runs. There was a big moment in one of the innings where they had a leadoff, I think a leadoff double. And uh, I knew that they were a sacrifice bunt type team. And uh, we, had, we had practiced it. We had drilled it and just told – you know, when you got a guy in second base, you know, usually a third baseman doesn't make that play. And throughout the week, we had just, I told Ty, I said, if there's a bunt down third base and there's a guy in second, just go get it, get an out. I'll take with Jack on the mound, one out, um, guy on third, I'll, I'll live with that. And we got out of that inning, they didn't get anything. And that was a huge momentum shift, I felt, for us, you know, for them to get the leadoff guy on like that and, and not score. And uh, I think... You know, later, then the next inning kind of rolls around. We get the same thing. We get a leadoff walk. And I think, you know, you as a coach too, leadoff walks are killer. You know, I mean, and that that was huge for us. And Cade Roush has a big, uh, his base hit down the line. We get first and third. And Cass Huffman comes, comes through with a huge base hit to score and tie it up. And we had second and third, no, first and second at that time with nobody out. And I'm like, God, this is great. Set, it's there. And we strike out, strike out. I'm like, oh, man, here we go, two outs. What are we going to do here? I had a bunch of different, like, strategies, scenarios going through my mind, and then comes through again and hits the big t- uh, the big triple to score two more. And, I mean, he was he was phenomenal in that game. He did a great job. So, um, you know, we got going to the seventh inning, and Jack goes one, two, three. And that's just, I mean, it was huge for us. I mean, I think that's something that, as, as the game went on, he kind of finally settled in again and was just really, really, really good for us. Coach, thank you for acknowledging the fact that I was a coach at some point in my career. People still uh, deny that fact, so thank you. But, yes, leadoff walks and walking the number nine hitter um, always killed me as a coach. Now, you've mentioned Jack Carr a couple times and Cooper Hummel a couple times. Listeners listening to this, if you have not been following us all year, Cooper did appear on the podcast, go through our catalog, give it a listen. So did Jack Carr talking about his season and the perfect game. Go back and give that a listen as well. Now, 
What can you tell us about your Cascade baseball community? I know as a podcaster and somebody that's on social media way too much that whenever somebody from Cascade gets a nightly award or a weekly award, thousands and thousands of people view it because they share, they retweet, where some schools it might be 100 to 400 people see it, but when Cascade... Um, has a player win an award, I tell you, word travels fast. So as a coach um, and needing to rely on that community, what can you tell us about the Cascade community and how great they've been this season? I mean, our community has been phenomenal, you know, throughout, you know, me as a player here growing up, um, as a, as a coach throughout my whole life, you know, just being a career guy in Cascade, our, our community is awesome. I mean, they show, tremendous support all the time and we've been fortunate in basketball and all our sports track football baseball to have to be pretty successful and you just you kind of know that whenever the season rolls around whatever season it might be that there's just some buzz going around and people are excited and they love it and you know cascades you know a lot of people say it's just traditionally a big baseball community and um it's one of the things that i think you know i really hold true in my mind that like with all the success that we've had from guys going to college and playing baseball, uh, the Cascade Reds and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I do believe that it is still kind of a baseball community and just the support that they have for us is, I mean, I, I, I can, I think it's one of the best around. There's no doubt. I mean, the, after the game was over, you know, you take your pictures, you do all that stuff, um, do radio interviews and I get my phone out and there's, I don't even know what it was, 40 or 50 text messages that I got from people in town. This like, Oh, this is awesome. This is great congratulations all that sort of stuff and i i mean i spent the whole bus ride home just trying to reply to everybody and you know same thing you look at our twitter account and uh, the amount of retweets the amount of likes and all that stuff that we got on it i mean it just shows that people you know far and wide are really paying attention to stuff you know and i got messages from people that aren't even from cascade that follow us all the time and uh people that are from cascade out of state that were listening and all that sort of stuff and you just it's great. And, you know, I think without the support that we have, I mean, you don't get to this point. And I think some of that comes from the youth program as well. You know, our, our community supports all of our youth sports so well, and that just really helps us a ton to be able to, you know, in a sense, not have to worry so much about development when they get into the, the high school ranks because they've been coached really well. They know what to do and um, they know how to compete. And that's a big part of the success that I think any program will have is if you have that and that comes from your community support, they want you to be good. Um, we have a lot of people that just come back to this area in Cascade and move back because they know that they're going to be supported by the coaches, by the school district, by um, and, and by all the fans as well. And I think that's a big part of um, what it is here, just that, that culture that we have. Now, Coach, I've since moved from outside on my deck where I think I was getting some feedback from the birds into my garage. So sorry, fans, if you had to hear that in the background. Hopefully it was not picked up. Now, this is where I struggle with the next and the last part of the interviews. We're going to take a look at the state bracket. I don't want you to give too much away because I want you guys to play Beckman in the championship and I want it to end in a tie. Actually, I don't want it to end up in a tie, but um, that's that's me just being politically correct here. So we're going to talk about the bracket. 
don't tip your hand, don't give away too much information, but you mentioned earlier um, mid-prairie. We know you have mid-prairie in the first round. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe you drew the three seed. What can we expect from mid-prairie in round one? So mid-prairie's got a really um, rich tradition, too, from you know, just a baseball perspective. Um, they've They've had a lot of success. They've been, I think that two years ago, they were a state tournament team. Um, so just going into the game, you know, they're going to compete, you know, they're going to play well. Um, you know, we, I think we won our game three to nothing against them, but we only had three or four hits, you know, and, and it's always a tough game against those guys. And you know, one of the things from my perspective that, you know, when I, when the, we had the seeding meeting and it came out that we were the three seed and they were the six seed and we we're going to play each other, you know, people are, oh, it's a conference game again. That's whatever. I'm like, but, from my perspective, it's like, I know I'm familiar with them. You know, I, I, I don't have to call all these other coaches. I don't have to find all this other stuff out. We, we play them every year. So I, I have a little bit more of a better perspective of what, um, what we're, what we're going to see out of those guys. Um, so I, you know, from that, that was something that, you know, I was, I was happy with that draw and obviously staying away from Van Meter on the top side, you know, if you win, if we get a chance to win that game and they do, you're t- facing the defending champs and 36 and 0 this year and whatever it's that's that's a tough draw so being on the bottom part of it's um we were fortunate that way too now a possible second round matchup would be against lincoln central or interstate 35 do we know anything about those teams yet or are we sending scouts and phone calls out as we speak about them well, we they play before us, so we're going to get the opportunity to watch that game. Um, but because I, I don't know anything about either of those two schools, you know they're out west. And, you know, you don't get to see a lot of those teams as the throughout a season. And you know, I, I get I'm pretty just focused on what we're going to be doing and our games and all that sort of stuff. You know, one at a time sort of thing. Especially at this point when you're at the state tournament. So I haven't done anything. I haven't called anybody. I'm not even worried about that part right now. You know, I'm just kind of focused on getting our guys ready here the next couple of days to to go win a game against Mid-Prairie. Yeah, that's, you got to win the first one. You can't worry about the second one or the third one if you don't win the first one. You mentioned um, Van Meter before. They are the defending state champions. They are undefeated this year. Let's uh, hypothetically state you meet them in the state championship game. Uh, tell us a little bit about them. What would it take for not only the Cascade Cougars to upset them and knock them off, but for somebody else to upset them and knock them off. What, did, what, what, what would it take to beat them? And that's something that has not been done yet this year. Um, you know, I don't know a whole ton about them. Um, from, I know they got, you know, the Buter kid, I, or the, I think his name, I think it's Buter. I could be wrong there, but he's going to Iowa. They got a big time arm too. Um, you know, I think the big thing that you got to do against them is you got to be able to put the ball in play and you got to play defense because they're going to swing it. Um, you can't make mistakes in the field against those guys. You got to be ready. You got to, you have to make plays against them. And I think that's the, that's a difference maker um, in that type of game is you got to limit the freebies, limit the walks, limit the airs, all that sort of stuff. Not necessarily play the perfect game, but you got to limit those things because you get guys on base against them, they're going to swing it. And, uh, you know, from the, the hitting side of it, you got to put the ball in play and just give yourself a chance. Coach, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I've had so much fun following you and your kids this year, and um, I can't wait to follow you for, for a couple more games. So uh, best of luck. 
um, at the state tournament. Is there anything that you would like to mention before we kick you out of here and welcome in our next high school coach? We have two more to talk to him um, in this state preview episode. Um, no, I don't think so. You know, I just, I, I really appreciate everything that you do, you know, promoting this stuff and getting the word out to people around the community. I know when, uh, whenever you do a podcast again, like you said, with our cascade guys, people are on it. They're talking about it. They're after games. It's one of the things that they always talk about. It's like, Oh, it's a due to the night, you know, all those sorts. They, they, they know it right away and they're thinking about that stuff. So, um, guys get excited about that. I really appreciate the fact that you're promoting this and doing a good job with it. And, um, that's it, man. Awesome. Hey, keep grinding. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Stick around for our next state participant checking in here now. Midwest Bus Trips is a great sponsor of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Leave all the stress and travel up to Aaron and his crew at Midwest Bus Trips. This summer, they will be taking trips to historic Wrigley Field to see the Cubs take on the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Red Sox, the Brewers, and the Rockies. If you're not a fan of either of those teams, Aaron at Midwest Bus Trips has you covered. They'll be making a trip to Guaranteed Rate Field to see the New York Yankees take on the Chicago White Sox. If you are a fan of American Family Field, also known as Miller Park, that classic Brewers vs. Cubs rivalry will be taking place in August at the end of summer. Find Midwest Bus Trips on Facebook or search them at MidwestBusTrips.com. We welcome in our next coach, and it is the assistant coach from Dyersville, Beckman, Ryan Mabe. You may be wondering, how come Coach Fred Martin, the head coach, isn't here with us? Well, he isn't very up-to-date on technology, and I have read that this is his last year, and we wanted to pay a little bit of a tribute to Coach Martin leading in, so... Coach Mabe, first and foremost, welcome your first time on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate having me. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Now, what has Coach Fred Martin meant to, first of all, the community and the program at Dyersville Beckman? He has been in it for the long haul as a longtime assistant to Coach Tom Jink Jr. and then head coach for the past couple seasons. Yeah, no, Fred uh, has been around for a long time, um, for a long time was an assistant and he really enjoyed that role. I think that's what he kind of saw himself as. Um, but then what Fred did, uh, you know, when uh, Jake, you know, got sick and wasn't able to coach anymore, Fred was, he just stepped in, you know, he stepped up and became the head coach and started leading the leading the program. And I don't think that was something that he'd ever planned on doing. Um, but he just, you know, he took that responsibility and um, he's run with it and kind of kept the program strong, you know, through these years. And, um, you know, at 17, when he took over, they won it all. So, I mean, that shows uh, he was able to just kind of step in and keep it going. Um, and it's just great to get back there this year. Um, most likely being his last year, obviously, you know, try not to um, assume anything, but uh Sounds like 
probably be going out after this year. So. I, I don't want to assume, but the Cedar Rapids Gazette ran a story about him being his last year. So I'm assuming it's his last year. <laughs> but again, we don't want to assume. Now, what right. has, has Coach Martin meant to you as as a mentor and as a friend and as a coach and then just looking at the relationships he's built with players what has he meant to the players and the current players that are on this 2022 season team yeah i know just personally obviously uh, he was the pitching coach when i was at beckman um uh graduated 2008 uh so he did a lot of Great things with me was uh, working with me personally, off-speed, stuff like that. He taught me a splitter um, that was came, became my uh, kind of my off-speed. I was mostly just a two-seam fastball guy, just kind of threw it up there, said hit it, and then he kind of gave me a secondary pitch to throw in there and mix in sometimes. So um, obviously he helped me a little bit get to the college ranks. I got to play at Iowa Central for a couple of years and – pitch for them so uh obviously a big help for me and then coaching wise uh so the whole thing kind of started a couple of years ago coach i coach uh sophomore basketball for beckman um and the, he he refs our freshman games for us so he got done refing a freshman game and i just started talking to him and i was just like you know how long are you gonna do this for and his response was until you're ready um never really crossed my mind that I, uh, you know, that I could coach baseball and for some reason he saw something in me and I am greatly appreciative that he saw that and um, allowed me to be a part of this year and kind of just jump in and uh, we've done a great, he's done, but we've been just kind of see the game the same way. It seems like just as far as we've been sharing a lot of the responsibilities our decision-making must be coach third base. Um, He's been coaching first most of the year, so I've been having to make most of the calls, and he's kind of trust me. Um, postseason, we've had another different assistant at first, and he's been kind of the third base dugout, you know, saying stuff to me, just kind of mentioning things and just saying, you know, hey, think about this, this, this. But um, really just, I mean, the trust that he's had in me um, means a lot. I don't know what he saw in me, I guess. Uh, I've Personally, I'd never coached baseball going into the season. So this is my first year coaching baseball, and just to do it at this level um, really just – appreciate the opportunity that he's given me um and then as far as the players go uh the players really enjoy him he's i mean we're pretty laid back um we kind of let the kids take control um we have four captains this year two seniors two juniors kind of let them run the show um the expectations are given at the beginning of the season they kind of run with it and the kids really enjoy fred um they respect him and he has a good time with them and uh i think it shows and our success. And anybody that ever questions if Coach Martin knows pitching, uh, I played with and against his sons, Danny and Billy, growing up, and they were always the most feared pitchers when you were in the box and your best friends when you were playing with them and you're on the mound. Now, you mentioned you told the expectations to the players and just let them run with that. Who are some of the guys that are just having monster, monster years for the Blazers, whether it be in the box or on the mound? Uh, yeah, so um, at the plate, Luke Shields, uh, just our leadoff hitters had a heck of a year. He just fell below 500 because he went two for five, had an awful game. Um, so safe going two for five. Uh, dropped down to 496. 
but he's just been hitting the crap out of the ball. Really just sets the tone at the top of the order for us. Uh, he's, he's added, I think he has five homers, four triples, nine doubles. Um, so he's slugging the ball. It's not just little dink hits. I mean, he's hitting the ball hard, uh, driving the ball, uh, and really just sets a tone, gets on base, got some speed as well. Um, and then our, I believe, will be All-State catcher, uh, Owen Hewengarth. He's been uh, just solid as well. Um, really turned it on at the end of the year, seeing the ball really well. Uh, got his average up to 434, also slugging about 700 as well. The four homers, three three triples, and then the 14 doubles. Uh, he's sitting at 49 RBIs, hopefully gets to that 50 at state. Um, but, and then just behind the plate, he's been a stud. Uh, it, is, it is tough to describe. Um, I, I want to, you know, call out a lot of guys here. We did get eight guys recognized for all conference, whether it's first, second, or honorable mention. So, there's a lot of guys that are doing well um, at the plate. Uh, Pitching-wise, though, uh, one guy's distinguished himself at the end here, and I just looked into it. Um, Schmidty, so Nick Schmidt, uh, started the year at his first nine and two-thirds of Turner and runs, and that was against Western Dubuque, very good team, kind of, you know, hit him around. Uh, CPU, that was a tough one. He had three infield hits in a row, and never seen anything like that, and then a double off a of right fielder's glove that – scored all three um so first nine two-thirds ten and run but since then he's sitting at uh 47 innings pitched nine earned runs so that'd be a 1.3 era and that's since may 31st so he's just been on a roll you've seen it um i think he's been king of the hill maybe three four times something like that so um we've just been riding him uh, as much as we can in the playoffs and he's shown that senior leadership and uh just very cool calm collective kid a great kid to coach I will have to recheck the stats on Luke Shields because uh, I did not know he had that type of power numbers. Possible Kevin Romberg postseason MVP award, too, when that episode comes out. Now, looking at your squad, and feel free to throw out more names. I kind of jumped in and cut you off there. But I know when I coached uh, 18 years that there were some guys that may not get the publicity in the media or maybe guys even when I coached that I really didn't expect too much from that for whatever reason whether it was an injury or a suspension or the person playing in front of them just was not playing well and and we turned to them and they had a remarkable year and a lot of our success were on those role players so who are some of the role players on the team that have had great years that we as media, whether it be me or the TH, haven't picked up on that, are just having fantastic years. Yeah. Um, there's one story that'll – it's a pretty good one. Um, so Eli Kleesner, he's our nine-hitter DH. Um, wasn't on varsity the first week of the season. Um, the only reason he is uh, – we played a game the same night as a soccer game and it went a little late – he had just got done with practice. I knew we had just gone to practice. So I picked up my phone, called him from our dugout and said, Hey, he answered it. Luckily, um, found out later his phone was at 1%. Um, <laughs> he answered the call said, yeah, right. So he came down, got him a Jersey, went out there, played the, it was a JV varsity doubleheader. Um, so we played in the JV game and Fred was kind of like, who's this guy? Um, and I mean, he knew who he was, but like, didn't understand like why he was there. I was like, I just called him, needed a guy. Um, and he showed a lot of, I knew he's an athlete. He's a really good football player, very good basketball player. Um, and 
you know, baseball is a little bit different. You know, athleticism isn't everything in baseball. So, um, but he showed up and just started hitting. Um, end of the season in conference, he hit 514. Um, and that's our nine hitter. So he kind of comes through. Um, he had a, the reason he got to the varsity spot was so when we made semifinals for soccer, um, some of the guys couldn't play. So then he had to play against West Delaware. Against them, he came up twice with the base loaded. Game one, base loaded double takes the lead. Game two, base loaded triple into the gap. Um, again, gives us a huge lead. Um, just huge, huge. And then ever since then, he's kind of ran with it. Um, like I said, very good athlete and just kind of wasn't really expecting him to be the guy. Um, and there's some guys that we thought um, would have better years that will be back next year that, you know, they'll get their opportunity again. But he kind of just ran with his opportunity there. So That's what I love about this podcast is that is a story that you will never hear anywhere else. But you hear that story. Uh, you call a guy up and he's got 1% on his phone. He shows up and hits over 500 in the conference. Now, Beckman has been ranked all year in the top 10 in class 2A. What was the turning point in the season, in your opinion, where you thought, man, we might have a chance to make a special run. We might make the state tournament. We might get a state championship out of this group. Was it a loss? Was it a walk-off? Was it a no-hit performance? In your opinion, what would that turning point have been where it just started to click with you and the coaching staff thinking we got something special here yeah i mean the expectation all year uh i sent out a thing just as far as goals um for the season um back in april and just about every single guy that was going to be on varsity said make the state tournament so um and then see what happens from there um so i would say i mean the whole season we kind of expected it um i will say the one week um, late June, we went to Vinton for a doubleheader, uh, swept that. Then we went to Assumption, had Assumption on the ropes, ended up losing by a run. Um, the next night, go to Xavier, win that game in nine innings. And then we came back home the following night, doubleheader, and we swept Makokota, um, and 10 nothing, 11 to 1. Um, that week, I mean, so getting close to the end of the season, that was just a great week. We played really good baseball. What came close to sweeping the week. I mean, it could have easily been a week that we split maybe, um, but instead, you know, we go five and one, played six games in four days. Uh, so that was just, that was good. I mean, we did the following week and then independence kind of, we were hoping to win the conference outright. Um, lost on a walk-off to independence and then the following game, they got us for 500 runs in the sixth uh, to lose five to four. But, um, but that week, I just kind of, that Xavier night, just it felt like a playoff atmosphere because it was, you know, tied, tied, a tie game in the seventh, tie game in the eighth. And the ninth, Schmitty comes up with a base hit to give us the lead. Um, we throw our uh, sophomore, Luke Sigworth, out there for the, for the save and he shuts him down. Um, it just was a very tight battle. Um, it was a good crowd that night, too. They did field dedication. So Xavier had a good crowd that night. Um, just kind of felt like a playoff atmosphere, and we, we came through. So that was a big a big night that we kind of point to as far as, you know, that's what it's going to be like in the playoffs. So Kudos to the AD and the coaching staff on scheduling that tough non-conference game. <laughs> a lot of times you see people shy away from those games, especially late in the season. Now let's, let's talk about Substate. You guys uh, rolled through Substate, advancing to the state tournament. Was there ever a 
a time or a game where the fans and the coaches may have had to start biting their nails because you guys fell down big, or did you guys pretty much coast through the whole postseason? Uh, I mean, the Jessup game, we were down one nothing the second, but we answered right back with a couple of runs, and then we, you know, we added on right away and got that lead up there, so it felt a little bit. I mean, you never in baseball, it's, it's not a time thing, you know they get their out, so you're never super comfortable. You always know they they have a chance. Um, the Monticello game was tied in the sixth, um, and then Hunegarth came up with that double with two outs that scored two to give us a six four lead going into the seventh, and we we're able to shut them down again with Sigworth coming in to get the save there. But um, so the Monty game, yeah, that was that was a tough one. There was a it was a call in that game that I, I'm the third base coach. So Eli Cleaser came up, guy on third base, one out, hit a ball down the line. I, when he hit it, I kind of got myself in a position where I could see if it was going to be fair or foul. I saw fair by a full foot. Um, and talking to everybody, the fans afterwards, they saw the same thing. Um, our, they played it live. Eli got to second base, scored the run. I see the home plate umpire's got his hands up, like saying dead ball. I was like, what's the call there? He said foul ball. And I was like, and I kind of just reactionary kind of was just like, what, like, what do you mean? Um, I'm not the head coach. So he said he wouldn't talk to me about it, um, which was fine. And he, he asked the base umpire, he's like, it's your call. So it ended up being a foul ball. Eli got a sack fly out of it. Um, but I think the next two guys got hits. We kind of could have maybe pulled away there. So there was, that was tough. I did talk to the fans on the line, said it was definitely a fair ball. And the way Monty reacted, they, they played it live. It's just, you know, but things like that happen, he's kind of overcome them. So. Yeah, and Monticello's a tough team. I know I umped a varsity doubleheader with them. I was impressed with the way their kids played, their pitchers through. I was impressed with the coaching staff. Okay, since I'm now umpiring, I'm a little bit of a nerd on things here. Was it a two-man crew or a three-man umpiring crew that night? That was two man. Okay, um, so yeah, the base ump should not be calling, no. especially if there is a runner on base. He's in the middle of the field. the yeah. The home plate umpire always has the line. The only time he does not have the line is if it would be nobody on base and a hit down the right field line. It's the base caller. If it's a three man crew, um, same situation. But you know that's great that you guys persevered and um, and made it through there. Now. Beckman community, they are a baseball community. We know they are home of the field of dreams, but also um, a team of dreams as well. Back in 2017, when Beckman was last at state, they won it here. But how great has that Beckman community been this year? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, you can definitely tell that baseball just kind of, it runs deep here in Dyersville. So every, like I talked about, the kids, they come in ready to go. I mean, their baseball is definitely one of their priorities. Um, I, it, it is tough with soccer leaking in so much because soccer has become a big thing at the school. Um, they're very successful with it, um, with it leaking into our season so much. Um, but I think the way our guys are prepared and the way we do our off season, um, it kind of shows that, I mean, they just jumped into baseball, no problem. I mean, they're playing soccer one night, baseball the next night, sometimes doing both the same night. Um, but, yeah, the baseball runs deep. Um, guys know the game really well. You know, it's – I mean, as coaches, they don't have to worry about too much about coaching little – like the the big picture. We kind of work on just the little things because they, they know the game. They know what's going on. Um, 
they do the they do the little things right right away, um, and then we just can kind of just refine it as we go. Coach, it's been great talking to you, but the reason why you're here is Dyersville Beckman advanced to the state tournament. So let's take a look at at the bracket. You open up the with the top seed in game one, and you play Dyke New Hartford. What can you tell us about them? Um, how did they do this year? What kind of arms do they have? Uh, who are some of their their top hitters that we need to worry about? And then also, when I talk to you about state, please do not tip your hand. Do not give any advice because I or uh, any um, uh, leeway on what you guys are doing here. But uh, what can you tell us about them? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so they had a very good season. Uh, there, I think they finished. Um, I think they won their side of their conference. Um, they only had three losses throughout the whole entire season. Um, as far as like details, I don't have a ton of details on them yet. Still working on uh, some scouting reports um, with them. But from what I can see, looks like they hit the ball pretty well, score a lot of runs. Uh, their differential is plus five throughout the year of average. So like I said, they're going to score a lot of runs. Uh, pitching wise, uh, from what I saw, they threw their best sub at subset against Osage, but he kind of got touched up right away. They were down seven, nothing, I think to start. And they came back to win 11 to 10. Uh, they actually brought in his little brother, I believe is who it is. Um, it sounds like he's a lefty, a little bit, uh, crafty lefty type that came in and was able to, you know, straighten it out there and keep them in it and they're able to come through. So um, I think they're going to hit the ball um, pretty well. Um, so could be a slugfest. Uh, hopefully our pitchers can, you know, I think if we, I think if we do what we've been doing all year. I think we'll have a good shot at it. Um, but yeah, I think they will be definitely be a tough team. Obviously they got here for a reason. So Now coach, I do want to ask you before we uh, kick you out of here and invite head coach Casey Bryan of the Western Dubuque Bobcats in. So I know we don't count our chickens before they hatch. We know we have to beat that round one game, but assuming Van Meter wins, they are the heavy favorites. They have not lost a game this year. I believe they are 30 something and O, and they are the defending state champions. So I'm going to ask you the same question. I asked coach Hummel from Cascade. What would it take what does it take to end that unbeaten streak and prevent Van Meter from winning back-to-back state championships? Yeah, no, they're uh, they're tough. Obviously, they're you know the proofs in the pudding what they're doing. So, I mean, they're winning state championships and they haven't lost all year. Um, for us, we put our kids through it throughout the year, and that's what I've talked about in every seating meeting we've done. Uh, like I just talked about, we went to Assumption one night, went to Xavier the following night after traveling to Vinton on Monday. So back-to-back-to-back nights traveling, playing against um, two of the top, I mean, for sure, top five, top ten teams in 3A uh, and something in Xavier and competing with them. So we competed with the best uh, already this year so. Our kids definitely have the confidence to do it. Um, what it would take is just, I mean, a clean ball game. So field the ball, throw the ball around, uh, catch the ball, uh, and then just taking good at bats. Biggest time we've gotten uh, in trouble this year is 
pop-ups. I mean, we when we start popping the ball up, that's when we get in trouble. Um, but we usually do a good job of not striking out. So putting the ball in play, hitting the ball hard on the ground, hard hard liners, that's kind of where what it would take. And just, again, a good field, feeling game, not giving. We, we pride ourselves on the 21 outs. That's something that Jenk started. Um, so 21 outs. And part of that is not giving them extra outs. So every time you give them an extra extra out, that's when teams take advantage. And we always preach that to us. That's why you have the 21 outs on our shirts. Um, give them the 21 outs. If you just feel the ball, play a clean game, um, do the job at the plate, we should, we should have a chance for success. Assistant coach Ryan Mabe joining us from Dyersville Beckman. Thanks for taking 22 minutes out of your day of scouting and watching videos and probably dealing with bus trip schedules and hotel accommodations and all the fun things that that go along with state but best of luck to you the Dyersville Beckman team and community on this 2022 state run now coach Bryant hey you're welcome I appreciate you doing this coach Bryant checking in right now now we've made it to our third and final team from the eight teams that we covered that advanced to the state tournament, and it is the Western Dubuque Bobcats, and they are coached by Casey Bryant. Coach, I love these follow-ups at the end of the year. That means that you guys made it to the state tournament. We get another conversation. How you doing? Good. How are you, Ben? Good. So, Coach, I want to ask you this this question, and, and for the fans that, that listen to this show, the handful of you out there, if I could ever make an episode of my off-mic conversations or stuff that I have been asked to edit out, you would be in for probably the greatest episode ever. But, Coach, the first question I'm going to ask you is, um, when we were off-mic, you had made the comment to me, we're going to be really good this year. We're going to surprise a lot of people. Well, you are a man of your words, and you definitely did surprise a lot of people, and you did not get any votes to uh, be ranked into the top 10, and then you went on a streak and, and shot in there. So what was it about this team early and often where you made that comment to me off mic about you were going to be really, really good this year and nobody was expecting it? Well, we love playing the underdog, so I didn't want to say that and try to be Nostradamus on your show. But, you know, Coach Lawler and I and Coach Westoff, we all saw um, the real signs of what could be a special season. Uh, we knew we were going to be extremely strong up the middle defensively because um, we thought Jake Goodman was a tremendous player. We knew that uh, my son, Nick Bryant, was one of the premier defensive infielders in the area last year um you know nobody really knew that because you know everybody's really focused on offense and he struggled a little bit hitting last year to be to be frankly honest and then um last year we had a center fielder that we thought was really really going to be good um he broke his hand at the beginning of the year and you know, missed our tryouts and, and didn't get to play varsity last year. But, you know, about two, three weeks in, the coaches and I were all looking at each other going, wow, this kid is going to be a really good player. So, you know, we had the defensive makings of, of a really good team. We knew um, that we had developed, you know, 
really, we've took our lumps and developed three or four pitchers that could really have great seasons. And then, you know, in, in winter workouts when we're hitting, um, you know, we thought we'd be a lot better because we had a lot of guys back uh, and we thought they'd all improve and work hard. Then winter workouts, all of a sudden we're hitting in the cage and, you know, Garrett Kadoff and Brett Harris start tearing the cover off the ball. You know, and, and when we do batting practice, it's not like maybe some other teams do. Um, our batting practices are designed to be hard. You know, they don't go in there. It's not feel-good batting practice where you go in there and somebody just chucks it in at half speed and they just hammer the ball. You know, we work on stuff. And we we always practice against machines. And we crank it up to 90 miles an hour. And and that that is really hard for guys. And it's certainly not confidence-building batting practice. It's skill-building. And, um, you know, when, when my juniors and seniors were turning around to see who was hitting the ball so hard and Kate Olsen Harris and, and Isaac Thane specifically, those three were just destroying the baseball. Um, we thought, you know, this, this could be really cool. Um, but then more importantly than all that stuff that were some nice pieces was just how hungry the kids were. I mean, Every single one of them showed up early, stayed late. Um, they just weren't afraid to put the work in. They were bound and determined to prove to everybody that they were going to be a great team. And we saw that from a really early stage. You know, and I told them today, I go, there's really only been one inning this whole season that I've been disappointed in them. You know, there was one day, it was late in the year, we were playing uh, Iowa City West. We we're up 7-2. to two. And we had an inning in the sixth inning where we switched pitchers. And and uh, the kid that came in was trying his hardest, and he was battling. And we had three or four plays that could have been made that weren't made. And, um, you know, we, we got on them. We jumped their case. And we hadn't had to all year. And the way they responded to that was what you see now. And so, you know, early in the year, we, we knew we had all the pieces. We knew we had the chemistry. Uh, the kids all got along great. The parents all got along great. There was just so many things pointing in that direction that I thought it was going to be a very special season, and it has been. Now, Coach, you mentioned pumping that machine up to up to 90 and 95, and we'll talk about that later. Once I left the program, you guys didn't have a coach that could hit that like I could. But... <laughs> I, I I want to tell you that I, I've always appreciated and I've always I've always loved how honest you are. And um, I, I love reading a, a quote from you um, early in the season. You guys were on a great run. Um, I don't know how many games you run in a row. I don't know if it was eight to 12, but it, it, it was a run. And um, the Telegraph Herald asked you, about the team and and you were very honest you said we really haven't played anybody tough we really haven't played anybody good these are these are the teams that we're expected to beat these are the teams we're expected to show up and you know put a crooked number on the board and and get out of here and and I've always liked that about you because you don't often give the politically correct answer you give the honest answer 
And you talked about your tough part of your schedule coming up. And that week, it was a tough part of your schedule. And you guys, I think, didn't run the table but lost one of those six games. But looking at the season... Um, you talked about the preseason stuff. You shared the story with me about how you knew off mic that you guys were going to be good. What point was it in the season where you and the coaching staff looked at each other and were like, this is a state tournament team. This is a state championship team. I think, I think we can win this thing. Well, first of all, to go back, um, Let's be clear. I didn't say these teams aren't good. I said the teams that we've played so far are developing teams. You know, some of them are young. Some of them are in rebuilding mode. Um, they're good teams. You know, let's not, let's not say that. I wasn't bashing anybody. Uh, but we knew where they were at in their program based on their results from the other games they've played. And when we got to that tougher schedule, um, things did get a lot tougher for us. I mean, the Mississippi Valley Conference, especially the Mississippi Division, was tougher than I've ever seen it. Um, and there's been some good teams in the last four years. Um, you know, our number eight team, the dead last team in our division, is in the 4A state tournament. That is ridiculous. They were dead last. Um, and the top three teams are in the state tournament, all in our division. So it's a brutal conference. And, you know, if you don't come ready to bring it, you're going to get your butt handed to you. And that happened to us a few times, to be quite honest. Um, and when that happened, we never wavered. We still knew that um, when we got to the end of the year, we were going to be right there and have an opportunity. Um, I think the key moment was, you know, uh, our, my son Nick broke his thumb after we swept Linmar, and at the time we were fifteen and one. And um, the next time out, we we got rained out, and then we played Prairie after kind of a longer delay, and we got our butt whooped. And it was not fun, not a great experience, as um, we felt like we could compete with Prairie. They were struggling at the time, but it seemed like. Every time they threw the bat out there, they were getting weak contact and they were hits. You know, they were blooping them over a third baseman's head. And then the balls that they hit hard were finding gaps. And um, we had a, a real hard time finding timely hits for a little while. We had to readjust our infield defense. And Colton McElrath stepped up and just started playing tremendous shortstop for us and kind of helped us find our bearings again. Uh, and then he really held the fort down until Nick could, could come back. And we beat some awfully good teams without, you know, a key piece to our defense. And that's when we knew, you know, boy, when Nick gets back and, you know, Nick is a very similar player to Colton, um, a little bit faster, covers a little more ground, a little stronger arm. Colton is going to make every routine play there is. I love the kid. He's going to be really good for us next year. Um, but Nick provides a little different, a little added element to the position. And then he's, he's just so dangerous on the base pass for us. When he gets on base, he does a really good job. And then, you know, we started to see the, the kind of season Jake Goodman was putting together. Uh, I think Jake Goodman might be a first-team all-state second base. Um, he's, he's just been that good. And with those two in the middle, um, you know, I've had – 
probably four or five coaches this year tell me, man, your middle is so good. And when your middle's good and, you know, you can, you can get bases loaded with one out and you're one pitch away from getting out of the inning because those two are going to turn a great double play, it just changes your whole team. Your pitchers have so much confidence. So those were probably the biggest moments. Colton, the great job Colton McElrath did. And then, you know, how dynamic we are when, when it came back. Um, it just added another little piece to the puzzle. And Colton, one of my favorite kids I uh, ever coached. Uh, very, very coachable kid. Very good baseball player, but always wants to get better. Coach, I was looking at the stats because I have to do an end of the season all debut team, and I have to give um, some postseason awards. Is Isaac Thayen the Kevin Romberg MVP? I mean, he's seven and zero on the mound. He he hit in the high three hundreds. He's he's up there um, with a lot of RBIs. Do you think he's prob- he might be one of the most valuable players in the city with what he can contribute on the mound and in the batter's box? I think he's got a pretty good argument and you know behind those numbers even deeper look at who he pitched against he beat 2a ranked beckman he was up 12 to 1 and we took him out because it was not a very competitive game beckman was not playing like they can and we were just hammering the ball and, and we ended up winning 17 to 6 because we, we decided to throw a few pitchers just it was early in the year we're like let's just see what these guys got we're, we're fine. We're not going to lose this game. And so we threw off for the last two or three innings. And um, But he was up 12-1 to 1 when he left that game. So he beat Beckman, a very, very sound 2A team. He beat City High, who's number two in Class 4A. He beat Waller. And we all know how good Waller has been this year. They, they had a little slip up and got upset because in a one-and-done tournament, that can happen to any of us at any time. We all know it. Um, but Waller's really good. He beat Xavier, no, not Xavier. He beat Liberty, who's in the 4A state tournament. Uh, I think that was a no decision, uh, but he was leading for that entire game. Uh, and him battling them so we could take the lead after he came out was huge. Uh, Independence is in the 3A state tournament. He threw a two-hitter against them, both of them infield singles. He threw a two or one hitter against West Delaware, who's in the state tournament. Um, and he beat PV, who was ranked in 4A all year. So, and then, oh, I'm sorry, he beat Clear Creek, who's also ranked in 3A. So he has beat, I don't think I've ever had a pitcher in my 23-year career that beat six ranked teams out of seven wins. So to me, that's, it would seem like he would be a lock for one of the awards. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of great players in Dubuque County, and they're all really deserving. And I think we all know the kind of arm talent that Aaron Savory has. Um, but you show me any other player that beats six ranked teams, and I, I don't think you're going to find that guy maybe in the whole state. It's, it's interesting. Like you said, a lot of guys had great years, and when you put in his pitching numbers – I got, I got to look at the numbers somewhere. I've been wavering back and forth between multiple guys. I don't know if we'll put it up to a fan vote. I, I don't know. But let's talk about the role players. Coach, you just said you've been doing this for 23 years, but you're holding up really well. 
it only looks like by how well you've done in that 23-year career, by the amount of hair you have, it looks like you're about a five- or six-year coach by how well you're looking in your older age. But you mentioned Colton McElrath as as a great kid, a great player that stepped up. You know as well as I know, as long as we've done this, that for a team to have as much success as they've had, it takes somebody kind of coming out of nowhere or somebody getting a chance or somebody stepping in when they get an opportunity, whether it's because somebody was at state track or somebody was at soccer, somebody got uh, got hurt or wasn't performing. Who are some of those guys that we haven't heard too much about on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast or the Telegraph Herald that have really helped propel this team and push others as well? Well, you know, Connor Myers has done a great job for us. He's pit, he started some games and, and kept us in games. You know, we had a 10-game stretch where we played Hempstead and City High and Waller and Xavier and Kennedy. Those 10 games in a row really taxed our pitching staff. And, you know, we got our butts whipped a few of those games. And uh, Colton McElrath filling in at, at short has helped. You know, Riker Stoudemire is a senior who probably would have been our number two or three pitcher this year. Um, he was set for having a tremendous season. He had great winter workouts. He was probably throwing harder than any of my other guys all winter. But he had an arm injury and couldn't pitch. Uh, one of our team captains, great leader, great kid. Um, Riker has been really good for us, uh, courtesy running this year, running bases, um, because that's all he's allowed to do. Um, and if you remember, I think he had a no-hitter against Waller last year when they were even better in like the fifth or sixth inning, and we ended up losing that game. So, you know, Riker was a, a big loss for us. But, you know, like a great kid and a great athlete does, he found a way to contribute. Um, Jack Clemens has really done a tre- tremendous job in right field. And the people that nobody talks about is Nathan Rowling. Nathan Rowling has pitched some great games for us the second half of the season. And and he's good. He plays third base when Tucker pitches, and he's very, very good defensively. Um, the kid can hit, and I can't even get him in the lineup to hit. Um, you know, he's a kid that I could bring on. Bring in, If someone went down in the game, an infielder, I could bring him in, and he, he might have two or three hits that game. So our depth has really helped us tremendously. You know, the entire junior class, our, our backup catcher is a good player. And, and we don't use him a lot. Um, but on those really hot days where there's double headers, we can throw him in there and the ball's not going to get by him. So, uh, and that's Braden Delaney. Um, you know, Ryan Klosterman, um, he had a rough patch during that 10-game 10, 10 streak. He uh, had some mechanical issues where you know, he started leaving everything at the waist. And it was a valuable learning lesson for him. He got beat up, but he was having a great year until he ran into a rough patch in the middle. And he came in in the seventh inning of the game the other night and struck out the side. Now, Coach, the other two teams, they had a couple scary moments or nail-biting moments during sub-state where fans were kind of on the edge of your seat. You guys kind of ran through the bracket and – I could be wrong. I've been wrong once before, but um, I don't think you guys trailed at all during Substate. But tell us about the the Substate run, your your three games that you played, and then we'll get in talking about the um, the bracket and how the bracket shapes up. Well, 
You know, we I would say we had some moments. You know, the first three innings of Clear Creek um, were 0-0, and that was about as tense as it got. Um, we scored a couple runs and, and kind of never looked back after, in the fourth inning. And, you know, they came out in the fourth inning and made a run at us, had bases loaded with nobody out. And Isaac stepped up, struck out the first kid, got a sack fly to give up one run, struck out the next kid. Or flew, the next kid got a fly out. So that was probably the moment um, that that game was over. When they couldn't, when they could only get one run there, um, Isaac got back in the groove and they never threatened again. And um, the rest of the substate, we kind of jumped out on teams. You know, the first team we played was, like I said, a very young, developing team. Um, you know, we didn't hit the ball as well as I would have liked, but, you know, sometimes that's because of the pitching. They were, you know, they were walking the buys, nibbling on corner, walking, they were walking guys, nibbling on corners, throwing a ton, a ton of off speed. And, um, you know, we had some guys that took some bigger swings than they should have instead of just, you know, getting the ball in play. Um, but our overall athleticism, um, I think we had 14 stolen bases. Um, no, we had eight and eight and we had, geez, we had 22 stolen bases in our sub state in three games. Um, that was tremendous. And, um, you know, when you don't have to bunt to move guys up, uh, it changes your whole offensive thinking. Now, Coach, looking at your sub-state bracket here, I'm sorry, not your sub-state bracket, looking at your state bracket, you open up with 16 and 14 winners set. And, and I've had some people message me that don't know too much about them say, man, Western Dubuque got a great draw. They're playing a team that was um, barely 500, and I always respond with Google Justin Hackett. So TCU commit mid-90s fastball was the – uh, prep baseball report Iowa player of the year so talk to us about winter set what's it going to take to beat those guys and feel free to be vague if you'd like and uh, if you don't want to tip your hat uh, please don't well I, I don't think it's any secret that they got a real dude on the mound I mean he is a stud and he's a stud as a hitter as well and uh, really what it comes down to is um they're 16 and 14 for a reason. They had some flaws early in the season. They think they've cleaned those up um, defensively and as well um, hitting the ball. And, you know, they got hot offensively at the right time. And if we can cool them back off where they where their averages are at, um, we should be able to hold them down. Um, if they're still hot, we're going to have to play great D um, and keep us in the game until we can get to that, that big guy. Um we are going to spend, you know, the next three or four days um, hitting velocity, and um, we're going to make sure we can put the ball in play. If we can, if we can consistently put the ball in play, um, we have a great opportunity to move on. If you know he has fifteen, sixteen strikeouts, um, somebody's going to have to get a real key hit for us to win. And we know that he can be beaten because Dubuque Wallert was in this same situation last year and knocked them off as well. Now, looking at the second round, I know you and other coaches don't count their eggs before they hatch, but it's a possible showdown against Lewis Central or Sergeant Bluff Luton. Anything you can tell us about those teams? 
Well, you know, uh, Sergeant Bluff Luton, you know, the teams in this area kind of got a little preview of, of what they are. Um, you know, Waller beat them, West Delaware beat them. They kind of made a little Western trip to play some teams. Um, they are a sound team. That's why they're at the state tournament. Um, but they're going to have their hands full with Lewis Central. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to just tell you flat out, Lewis Central's really good. I think going in, the top three seeds are obviously the um, favorites to, to win the whole thing. I think if you look at our strength of schedule and who we've played and how we've performed, we should be considered. Um, Assumption, you know, had three transfers move in. They were all starters from other schools last year, uh, and they're all really good. Um, they manhandled a good Marion team in substate. Um, so, you know, they're really good. Um, and you have to, you have to be on point to beat assumption for sure. And, um, Lewis central is the other team that has just steamrolled through their competition this year. Now they play in a primarily three A and two a conference. So they play a lot of smaller schools, but, um, you know, in their non-conference, they knew they were good. They beefed it up and, we almost played them this year. We had been trying to work something out where we could meet them at, at Mount Mercy and play. And it just got really late. And um, it got to the point where, you know, they couldn't pull the trigger on, you know, were their guys going to be available or weren't they? And so we're kind of pushing it back to the future. We're going to try to get together with them next year. But um, they have, you know, two or three really good lefty pitchers. They have a lot of team speed. They hit the ball well. Um, they're just a very well-coached, sound team. Coach, last question I have for you before we hit into that podcast, killing double play here, is we got to talk about the Western Dubuque community. I've coached in three communities, Wallert, Hempstead, and Western Dubuque. I always say they were the best. They were my favorite. Uh, how great has the community been, the parents, the local businesses, the Farley Park area? Any shout-outs or thank-yous you want to give before you and I speak again when you bring home the hardware? Well, there's there's so many people to thank for a successful season that I couldn't possibly hit them all. Um, but, you know, special thanks to all the people that um, help out on a regular basis, you know, our press box guy, you know, our PA guy, our scoreboard guy, uh, you know, we have parents that provide meals for us on road trips and provide drinks for the players on road trips. Um, our parents have been great this year. They're really supportive. Um, our community has been great. You know, we've had a great attendance. Our sub-state final game was amazing. We had, uh, you know, there was one picture I got sent to me. It was, it was all of our youth players all like piled up around our dugout um, sitting there supporting our guys. Um, and that was cool. It, it was just, uh, it's been a really magical season and, you know, we're in, in no hurry to get it over. We want to make this last as long as we can. I saw that picture too. That was, that was an awesome picture. Coach, best of luck to you, your players and your program at the 2022 state tournament taking place at Dwayne Banks Baseball Stadium in Iowa City, Iowa, 643. We're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by. Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to stop by Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review, and also subscribe on Spotify.